Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Amsterdam has an amazing cast, but feels like a little something's missing, and the insanity that is Triangle of Sadness. Those are the two movies that we're going to be talking about this week on this week's episode of Movie Time with Blake and myself. So, you know what time it is. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. It's Movie Time coming at you now. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of Movie Time. We got the movie boys back in the house. What's going on? Got myself, Renee, Loki Geek, here with my boy, Blake. Wolf, what's going on, my brother? Mr. Renee, good to see you. What a week for movies? What a week for, like, my kind of movies? We're talking, I haven't seen Tar yet, but we're talking about today, we're talking about Amsterdam, Triangle of Sadness. I saw them both. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of days, I want to hear you saw Tar. I saw I mean, Tar. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm so jealous. It's like like you said. It we are in full blown uh, movie season right now, especially end of the year. As a lot of you may know, uh, Oscar season is is upon us. So all <laughs> the movies are coming out. New York Film Festival has been running for a week now, and I've had a, a chance to catch a couple of flicks there that I was really very happy to see, and Tar was definitely part of that. But just seeing Kate Blanchett in mm. person, um, mm. I was just in awe. And, you know, she, oh my gosh, it, she's like one of my all-time favorites and did not disappoint one bit. You know, just see, you know, hearing her speak, talk about the movie, and the movie is fantastic. If... If you don't know or you haven't seen it yet, I have my review of the movie on the channel right now. You could check it out. I also have the full discussion that took place after the screening of the movie, which was really delight to see. I mean, Nina Haas was there. Todd Field was there, too. And it's just so I love hearing them talk about, you know, working together, the, the chemistry, the process, all that stuff. And this discussion was really, really well done. So if you haven't seen it yet, definitely do check it out. But yeah, I, I can't wait for you to see it so that we can talk about it because I'm pretty sure you're going to have a lot of feelings and thoughts about that movie. Bro, I cannot wait. It's not only New York Film Festival and Oscar season, as you said. We also have so many holidays. We have cuffing season. There's a full oh. moon this past weekend. It's spooky season, if you weren't aware. That's right. So, that's and right. I'm thinking about, I know we're getting to Amsterdam. I'm thinking about doing Christian Bale's costume. I don't know if that's allowed, okay. but that's that's high on my list now. Okay. So. A lot of prosthetics probably be involved in it. You got to find a way to get the eye to pop out every now and then. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've been a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can just use my real eyes because it's spooky season. Hey! It was like, yeah, definitely spooky season for sure, which is interesting because you're not into like the horror movies and all that. And we've gotten some really good ones recently. Everyone keeps talking about Barbarian, which I haven't Mm -hmm. seen yet. Uh, The new Halloween movie comes out this week, which uh, I don't know. That could be interesting for sure. Smile. Smile is the number one hit right now. Um, As of this weekend, they're predicting it to be number one again 
over Amsterdam and uh, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which I thought we were going to talk about today, but for mm. some reason we just never had a chance to watch it. Oh man, it was every theater was sold out. It's the most popular movie right now, so I yeah. couldn't. And then uh, Smile. I'm just going to do a quick aside before we get into it. And, sure. and for the record, Triangle of Sadness. I think it's a horror movie. There's a couple moments. We'll it get it into. can be pretty horrific, yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For, for Smile, I had a friend who, they're telling me a story, they're on the subway platform, and they see a person at the end of the platform just doing oh, no. a smile. Oh, no. And they, they're, like, freaked out. They're like, this person not looking at me. Okay, they're probably just some, like, they're probably just out of it. They walk down the platform, they see another person on the other end. At this point, we had not had the baseball games yet. And oh, yeah. knowing about this viral campaign, which what a bizarre and amazing <laughs> turn for like, oh, this is how movies are going to advertise themselves now. I don't know. Right. Maybe Why not? Can expect. But this person was properly freaked out. And then we go, oh, hey, have you heard about this viral campaign? Oh, my gosh. It makes so much sense. But they were properly creeped out. So I mean, wouldn't you? Season. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> like... gosh. Yeah. No, for Especially... sure. I'm, I'm walking home at that point. Yeah. Yeah, especially like, could you just imagine if you're like sitting on the subway and you just happen to like lift your head up and the person sitting across from you is just smiling, staring mm. at you. Mm. That would like, I would be like, all right, I'm out. Next stop, I don't care what stop it is, I'm out of here. And on the platform, no less, it's pushing season too, as we all, all New Yorkers. <laughs> it's been know. pushing season, yes. <laughs> every other, every two, new, one in every two New Yorkers has been pushed onto a subway platform yeah. in the last month, apparently, according to yeah. the news. So, whew. Um, glad yeah. we've been staying safe indoors and going to the movies. Yes, exactly. Thing to do once it turns cold. Mm. Totally, totally. It, it's a great time for it. And we're excited to talk about these two movies that we had a chance to see. So before we get into all of that, obviously, if you're brand new to this channel, you come across this video and you see these two knuckleheads going back and forth talking about crazy stuff like subways and smiling and, and spooky seasons and all that stuff like that. Welcome. This is the Movie Time Podcast, where every week we talk about and bullshit about movies. Um, if you haven't done so already, you like what you see and you want to see more of these two knuckleheads, don't forget, hit that like button, subscribe. We are growing this channel. But most importantly, comment, comment, comment. We love the conversations that we have with all of you. Uh, had some great conversations and back and forth uh, on a lot of topics that we talked about. So definitely do that. Uh, if you are looking for an audio version of this, if you want to listen to us and our lovely voices on your way to work, school, what have you, you could find this episode and so much more on the Low Key Geek channel there on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure to just type it out, Low Key Geek. You'll find it. Download this and all the other episodes available. So always appreciate all of your support. And love, because every season should have some love in it, don't you think? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always Valentine's sure. Day in the comment section. That's what I say. That's it. That that's that's what I <laughs> that's what I live by. That's what I go with. So, um, so yeah. So first on our list today is uh, Amsterdam. So Amsterdam, uh, it's uh, David O. Russell. We haven't seen a movie of his since Joy came out, I believe, in twenty sixteen. I want to say um, it's it's been a minute. Um, very well-known director. But I think the thing that really drew a lot of attention to this movie is the ensemble cast. I mean, this cast is insane. Yeah. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Anya Taylor-Joy, Robert De Niro, Rami Malek, Chris Rock, Timothy Oliphant, Zoe Saldana, Michael Shannon, and Taylor Swift. If that wasn't enough. She, <laughs> Decides to keep wanting to act for some reason, and she is in this movie. Um, so huge cast, but 
how does a cast like this do with a certain movie like this? Um, I'll tell you right now my thoughts on, on the whole thing. So I went to see this in the theater just yesterday, actually. Um, so I was able to catch it in my local theater. Not a packed theater. It was a good, you know, it was like maybe halfway full and all that. Um, this isn't the type of movie that you'll hear a lot of audio reactions, at least for most of it, right? It was hard for me to kind of read the room after the movie was done. I wasn't sure if people liked it, if people enjoyed it. I kind of understand also because of my own takeaway and my feeling. I'll say this first. The chemistry between Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington was on point. Every time they were on screen, I loved it. I loved their back and forth. I loved their their conversations. Um, the story is based off of a true story that really happened. And if this really um, reenacts the chemistry between the three friends and all that, I think it's lovely. It's beautiful. It's great. All the other supporting actors, even though it's kind of weird calling them supporting actors, um, I think they did what they had to do. I think, you know, it was nice to see um, the back and forth with Zoe Saldana. Chris Rock would appear every now and then and do his little shtick and everything. Rami Malek is Rami Malek, and I think he did his job brilliantly well. The The fact that he is with Anya Taylor-Joy, I think, is like a perfect match for some reason because they're both kind of out there and kind of weird. Um, and uh, what did you want to say, uh, Blake? I was just going to throw in, so the, what it says in the very beginning is a lot of this really happened is the yeah. exact line. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a deep dive. There are plenty of articles you can pull up real quick on that if you want, if you're into that. Sure. Um, but my understanding is that the three friends are a, the, the main fictionalization. The true okay. story is the background plot, gotcha. which we'll okay. get to in a second. But the, right. that okay. historical event is roughly what happened with okay. some details. But that the friends who are making those moves, it's kind of like Forrest Gump. A lot of that really happened. But Forrest Gump isn't a real dude, right? Right. Right, I, I think. I mean, I, I think. I don't know. He's real to I, me. I, I went to Bubba Gump Shrimp Company in Times Square a couple weeks yeah. ago, and I, he's real, but you you know what I mean. Um, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw Forrest in one of those pictures, like in the background, <laughs> you know, hanging out with JFK and all that. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's real. Um, but okay, no, that that makes total sense. So it basically it's a fictional, it's a fictional friendship that helps narrate yes. the story as we're going through it, as if they're us right we're like the audience being like carried through the events there yes which is wild just because this is now a movie if you ask what it's about it's about two things about these three friends and their lovely adventures yeah and it's about an anti-fascism right campaign Mm -hmm. and so at the end of the day the real plot is an anti-fascism plot and then you have these three characters just kind of going about the world I'll, I'll get into my thoughts in a minute when, when you're done, but I did definitely want to interrupt and like no, that that base. Great. A lot of this really happened. Quote: Every it, those things matter at the beginning of a lot of sure. these movies. How they say that will kind of mm. tells you a good bit. No, definitely, and it definitely helps me like put it more into perspective and all that. But so yeah, so like I was saying, the chemistry between the main three is brilliant. This, if I were just to judge this movie on just that alone on their like little adventures together, their, you know, experiences going through it. Then I thought this movie was really, really nicely done. 
Like, I liked that aspect of it. Everything else, the historical details or, you know, um, the the big reveal at the end as to what exactly is happening. And, and like you said, it, it's basically, this is before, this is literally after World War One. This is several years separated from the beginning of maybe World War Two. You know, Hitler is still in the mix somehow. And now you have like, you know, Nazis trying to infiltrate our government, you know, to try to get us, them on board with them and, and, and all that kind of stuff like that. You know, fascinating stuff if you if you are into those historical details and all that. And by the way, I also should mention Mike Myers is in this movie yes. who he seems to be cast in the same type of role now every time as some sort of like intelligence oh, yeah. person uh. like within like you know the mi6 or whatever the case is that seems to be well, his type of go-to roles now that's austin powers career trajectory obviously right. is he's playing yeah. austin powers doing an undercover but that's his promotion i, th- I think that's right. it's all part of the same un- uh, apu yeah yeah no it definitely is and uh they love birds too so they're like avid bird watchers him and michael shannon which i thought was pretty <laughs> funny and that's the thing there's a lot of like funny parts throughout this movie that i would chuckle at and you know, i'll be like oh that's pretty funny or that's cute but for me the tone of the movie for the most part was very bland i felt like it was very uh not one note but i felt bored a lot to be honest with you um like there wasn't this is not your energetic type of movie it's not something that kind of like you'll find yourself like on the edge of your seat every time something happens i think maybe it happened once and that's when you know spoiler alert um taylor swift's character you know pretty much bites it um quickly really quickly um which could which is probably a good thing because i thought her acting was just like Mm. all right enough um that's just okay, my opinion. We're going to get death threats on that one. Thank you a lot, <laughs> Renee. Go, well, we love it when people comment, even hey. if it's about what Renee just said. To all you Swifties yeah. out there, have fun. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, she's a great artist. She really is. It just sometimes people should stick to one thing and not have to necessarily do other things, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, you know, she's tried acting in the past, and every time it's been... Okay, it's another. It's the same feeling I have with Beyonce. I think Beyonce should not act. Oh, no, at all, no, period. no. We do not want to act. Oh, behind. come on! I love. Let's go. Every, I'm agnostic Let's go. towards all of these opinions. Let the record <laughs> reflect. Um, we will enter a truce immediately with any members uh, of the Swifty. What are the Swift people called? And the Beehive immediately. I would. I uh, here. I have a white flag on me. And yep, <laughs> we give up. Thank you. You win. We love the comments. Thank you so much, <laughs> Renee. Way to go. Yeah, yeah, activated well, some controversy. That's Goodness fine. Gracious. Hey, why not? Come on, comment. We haven't come even on. released Get, come this on. yet. I feel like they're about to just like come in through the windows. Come, well, c- come at me. Come at me. No, yeah, no, all that. He doesn't know what but, he's saying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. But like I said, for me personally, the movie felt very bland. It, it felt very like boring at times. Um, I actually did kind of doze off a little bit sometimes in certain areas of the movie. Um, the movie is two hours and 14 minutes, which is not terribly long, 
but there were certain scenes I felt were a little bit extended more than they should have been. Um, a lot of artistic um, choices were done, you know, especially since Margot Robbie's uh, character of Valerie is a very artful person, very creative. She has an interesting eye on art and what is considered art. Um, very interesting how she would take a lot of the shrapnel collected from all the bodies in the war and turn that into art. Um, so definitely, definitely different. Um, but outside of like, like I said, the main story between the three, I felt the majority of the movie was just very bland and not really exciting. Um, I don't know if it that was the the choice of the director or that's just how it is because his past movies, I felt like have similar tones to them, but I I at least found it more fascinating and interesting and a little bit more energetic in certain times. Um, and again, maybe that's just me, um, but it, it definitely is not one of those movies where I'm just like, oh, you have to go out and rush and watch this right away because it is the, one of the best movies of the year. Da, 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 da. Definitely not that, especially knowing that they spent $80 million on this movie and it's going to get beat out by Smile uh, out of all things. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't hate it, um, but I didn't love it. You know, and I have a feeling that if you were to ask me about this movie uh, two weeks from now, I might forget a lot about it. Um, so that's just my take on it. Um, re- again, very curious as to what you, your thoughts on the movie is there, Blake. Yeah, for sure. Um, I overall enjoyed it, and the reviews are coming in. They are not good. We're talking 33% on Rotten mm. Tomatoes. Not ideal. I think on Letterboxd, 2.7 out of 5 wow. stars. Wow. This is going to, I just off the top, this is going to have to be one of David O. Russell's lower-ranking movies for sure, mm. especially after he's had so many beloved projects. Oh. Oh, hold on. Same audience for, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're cut. Oh, now you're, oh, you're back. There you go. Okay. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I think I this is, I'm the prime audience for this movie, and I did not leave the theater giving it rave reviews. And other people, they're going to be, I'm assuming, feel like it's even more inaccessible, and they're not going to be as into it. There's a few reasons why this is a prime movie for The Wolf. Uh, we're talking the Margot Robbie, the art there, we're talking World War One, and then the rise of fascism in Europe. Just not that I'm a fan of the rise of fascism, but that that those historical moments are really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and it's got the David O. Russell indie movie sensibilities, but this one's a pretty big scope for him. It's normally Huge. tighter dramas, even though the fighter like it has some action movie elements to it, right? But it's more ca- intense character studies philosophical concepts being illustrated through interpersonal relationships, great character development, etc. This one was huge and you mentioned the cast. Yeah. Going down the cast list, I get 13 names deep before I see someone who's not a bona fide star. Yeah. And Taylor Swift movie star, Timothy Oliphant movies and TV, I, my understanding, but mm-hmm. like Michael Shannon is number 13 on the list I'm looking at and it's not based it's just the Google like who are the most common popular people whatever that's wild it's crazy I think just based on like the casting like this could get the I think it's what the Golden Globes ensemble cast ensemble cast right yeah 
just based on that, like how did you get that many people in a room together? Mm-hmm. Like the Golden Globes couldn't even get that many famous people in a room together last year. Yeah. That's wild. So yeah. I, as a fan of movies, I really enjoyed just seeing any moment where you're seeing Rami Malek interact, interact with Robert De Niro and Mike Myers mm-hmm. is in the corner and at the center is Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Christian Bale, Chris Rock popping up. Like, there were so many moments I just go, thank you for making this movie. The plot, I really enjoyed the fun adventure of those three friends. I think you were saying that's the thing that worked most for you. Yeah. I also really, like, I, I hate fascism very, very much. I am passionate about it. Um, I donate some of my free time in, uh, against fascist causes. Um, I love the political philosophy of this movie. I love the actors. I enjoyed the the trio and their adventures. It was kind of screwball-y and madcap-y mm-hmm. at times. It, some parts of it felt more like an old Hollywood movie um, right. than something newer. I don't know. I do know that there's something missing because otherwise, based on all those facts... I should have loved this movie. Right. And I think it's, there's something, it's almost like there's a personal human element missing. And I listened to one reviewer on the big picture talking about David O. Russell has, you can feel free to look it up, has some stories of his past and some allegations and uh, even just like being a very domineering movie director. And the, the person's theory was essentially that, He's doing an anti-fascism movie and a movie about decency almost as like, not quite an apology, but it's like someone has a revelation, like, I haven't been a good person. I'm going to make a movie about how people should be good without it necessarily having. So it's, it felt like there was something missing intangible enough because based on, on paper, this should have been my favorite movie of the year so far. But there's something missing of the storytelling. And like you said, some scenes went on too long. It like It's like it needed more editing or a clear direction. Mm-hmm. The meandering was fun where they're on their adventures and traveling around. But there's times in a movie where there's too much of that, like, what's it called? Uh, not a vision quest, but that um, that where the characters are on a mission going around city to city to put the pieces together to solve the puzzle or whatever. Right, right, yeah. That should have been funner, and it felt a little more misguided or something, uh, more aimless. So if it had punched, if if the punch, and there's many scenes where I'm laughing. If oh, it yeah. had more punches per minute of just great scene, cool moment, funny dialogue, whatever. But it felt like there was too much hot air in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. For my theater experience, I did a very late show um, at a farther away theater. So there's probably like 30 people maybe. And it feels fairly empty. Not a lot of audience reaction. I laughed probably more than uh, other folks around me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a few moments that absolutely floored me. I really got into it. Other than that, um, I think the only other thing I'm going to mention is like Margot Robbie's character is really interesting to me. I couldn't tell to what degree the art was based on like McGree or other artists of that time. I really enjoyed that character. But there's also something where I, I couldn't quite tell where there's the manic pixie dream girl problem. And in some ways she has that where she's spurning the adventures, helping fulfill the purpose of these men and is in some ways kind of backgrounded or victimized or sidelined in some ways. In other ways, she's not the manic pixie dream girl. She's a hero of the story. 
And also, I have this list on Letterboxd I'm starting to work on. It's it's in its infancy, but it's called Depressed Pixie Dream Girl is kind of the idea. Oh. And it's like, there's the girl who, in, in movies, there's the one where there's the manic pixie dream girl full yeah. of life spurning the character on. There's the one who's like very sad and depressive mm-hmm. and that inspires the male character and he falls in love with her and she's like a wounded bird or something. So she's still, it's a similar problem with like a lack of agency and fulfilling a stereotype mm-hmm. and that filling a part of the movie. In some ways, this character had traits of that too. I'm not necessarily, I think I would need to rewatch it or think about it some more before making a judgment on mm-hmm. this movie had this problem. I'm guessing if I Googled those, the think pieces would already be there and ready to go. Um, other than that, overall, I have to say, I really enjoyed it. I had a great feeling about the movie. I don't know how soon I'm going to want to watch it again. I don't think it ranks very highly on my David O. Russells, who a few years ago I would have listed as one of my favorites. Like he was in. Noah Baumbach, Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. kind of territory for favorite current film directors. We're talking Silver Linings Playbook. I actually enjoyed yeah. Joy, even though a lot of people didn't. Back in high school as an indie emo hipster kid in the in blossoming, like I Heart Huckabees was incredibly oh, yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. So we're talking about that same director. And I also got to give it up for The Fighter, like an incredible oh, movie, different 100%. than all those other projects for sure. Mm-hmm. So... I think based on the standards I would hold David O. Russell to some aspects of this where it's not as tight as it should have been while it has so many other pieces, he's really good at his casts, his dialogue. There's certain things man is really good at. There's something in this movie missing, but I I think I probably at the end of the day, I probably give it four stars out of five for myself. We're more, it's if it was going to go one way or the other, it's like 3.5 more than 4.5. And like, that's not really good considering how mm. much, how primed I was to love every ounce of this movie on paper. Yeah. And it's it's also the pedigree of the director, right? Like mm-hmm. we're so used of him really coming out with like this really like massive. And it, it's been what? We said Joy didn't come out for since 2016, right? So it's been a minute. So of course you're you're expecting something huge coming out from from him in his next effort especially December 2015 so that's we're looking at just under seven years that's wild that's a long time you know Mm -hmm. and you know you have a cast like this you have the budget that he was given for for this movie and it falls a little flat and I think you said it best it felt like there's just something missing whatever that is it's just it's it's missing and it didn't make me like fall in love with this movie because like you it this is the type of movie that i should have fallen in love with because you have all these great actors together you know riffing off of each other doing things together um if there's one thing that you can say is like um, the majority of the acting in this was really well done you know um christian bale i mean him alone is like anything christian bale does is just phenomenal um, you know, John David Washington, he's still this new upcoming uh, actor, but he's finding himself in, in all of these like major movies and roles. Um, so, you know, he does have kind of like that that thing that his own dad has, which is really uh, interesting. You know, De Niro, who's a, a, an O'Russell regular at this point, you know, so it, it's it's it should have been a better movie. Um, but it just, like you said, it, it felt like just something was terribly missing. 
Um, going back to the the Margot Robbie character of you know the way you explained it, I already see it in my head. So you you must have Helena B- um, Bonham Carter's character from Fight Club in that list. Um, yeah. Oh, yes, I think you, you know. muted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you you must have Kate Winslet from Eternal Sunshine on in that. I'm in that throwing list. it on there, bro. Yes. <laughs> I, I literally started. I got three in, and I was like multitasking. I was like, okay, I'll get back yeah. to that later. I hadn't like done a deep dive. There was a few that yeah. hit me real quick. Good call. All right, we're doing it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there has been quite a few movies with that particular character type. You know, and it so it's not a new thing. Like we've seen these kind of characters before. I think the thing missing with her character in this movie, though, was that it didn't feel as tragic at at a certain point. You know, like I always yeah. felt like with these other characters, there's that moment where it's like really tragic, and you get very emotional about it, and you you really feel like like oh my gosh, you know, this poor thing. Because um, everything seems to be kind of glossed over and kind of like sugar coated or put a happy layer over it. Because yeah, in this movie, and again, this is a slight spoiler here. The character finds out that she has an ailment, and you know she's taking like medication. But then it turns out that the medication she was taking, maybe she shouldn't have been taking, because like she was trying to be, she was being manipulated by her brother and and the brother's girlfriend and whatever the case is. You know, so and then she ends up being kind of fine, and like everyone's just like, "All right, I'm cool. I could be creative again." Da da da, this and that. So it kind of like you know, it could have gone one way, but it didn't. Um, and maybe that's uh, that's how this movie is. It it could have gone one way, but it didn't. You know, because mm, yeah. there was just uh, one thing missing. You know, hmm. I or wonder several if things to missing. Some degree, if Margot Robbie's character is the avatar for which I can't wait to talk about Avatar another time. I, I'm mad I even used that word. <laughs> I'm just seeing it in the papyrus font right now. Okay, distracted. Papyrus I, I'm imagining font, that's if, the best way. I know. I'm imagining that uh, Margot Robbie's character could be an avatar for David O. Russell as a director in some roundabout way. I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that before, but usually the creative character who's like, normally they're not movie directors, normally they're like writers or poets or something. Like that's the, yeah. this is the character I relate to, the creative one. It would kind of make sense if during this movie, David O. Russell felt uninspired and unable mm. to create and kind of forced it as someone who is a creative and has like studied creatives. There's there are moments like that where they say, oh, this is the novel that they had to force out for whatever reason. And it yeah. wasn't the inspired one. I could kind of see that helping explain what's missing here among maybe a couple other things that theories mm-hmm. that we've we've gone through already. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's that's you know now that yeah now that we've talked it through, I can see that happening too. Especially like I I don't know how long it took for him to make this movie. Um, I would assume several years, and I'm sure with like COVID and all that stuff like that, it probably like you know uh, put some struggles and challenges in making a movie like this. So maybe halfway through the process or some point during that whole process, you're right. Maybe he lost something. Maybe he kind of just like. Eh, you know, I, I should just finish this movie because um, I've already started it, right? Uh, I'm under contract. But also, it makes me wonder, we're we're seeing a lot of this happening lately where they're giving a huge budgets to these, like, indie-type mm-hmm. directors, you know? White Noise, which you're going to see when it comes out. No, That's like Noah Baumbach's most ambitious movie mm-hmm. uh, with the, the type of budget that they gave him. Uh, mm-hmm. Robert Eggers with The Northman, you know, they gave him this huge budget and, you know, it, it, 
granted the movie was still pretty good for us but maybe not, may not have landed for a lot of people you know like so at one point at or i should say at which point should we continue that trend or should we just keep them to a comfortable space where they can really focus more into creativity and not worry so much about the spectacle of oh i have all this extra money now i can you know you know whip out my inner george lucas and here we go you know yeah yeah if if you're given big budget and they miss by a little bit it becomes like a home run swing but it's a whiff and it, it can fall flatter and feel kind of worse because mm -hmm. like i said i went in my expectations were kind of normal because i'd already heard reviews coming in okay. but seeing a lot of my favorite like there are people who are mad about this movie and saying how do you get this many stars to make a flop that shouldn't be possible and it, based on all metrics of audience reviews, critics reviews, et cetera, it seems mm. like it's flopping pretty hard. Yeah. I These are probably two of the most generous reviews you'll hear anywhere for this movie. Uh, yeah. And that's that's pretty sad. Um, we're not head over heels in, in love with it. No. Um, I, I, because I know we're about to move on Triangle of Sadness. The only two like little bullet points I want to hit sure. is the... Um, there, there's another aspect of it that's based on history, which is, I know you said it's that setting of there's the 30s, um, the 1930s piece. It starts, they do flashbacks to World War I. Yes. So first off, as far as the history, there's also on top of the political conspiracy, that group of soldiers, the six, 369th Infantry Regiment, was a real all-black unit of the, I'm reading off Wikipedia here, but a real-life all-black unit of the segregated army that served under mainly white officers, nicknamed the Harlem Hellfighters. Um, that I, I'm, I'm mentioning because I, how does one say I enjoy world war one without sounding like a, <laughs> a sicko? I, I am drawn to world war one history. Um, hardcore history had an incredible podcast. It was like 23 hours of it. And I got really fascinated. There's not many movies that do world war one. There are right. a lot of world war two movies, which makes so sense. many. So many. The World War One movies, there's been a small kick recently for whatever reason. We were at the 100th anniversary of when it ended in 1918 of the Armistice. And, like, there was 1917. Um, Peter Jackson did the documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old. There's been a couple others recently, a little lower profile. Um, but overall, I'm always... <laughs> How do you say I'm happy to see a war scene? Um, I enjoy when World War One gets some due that it feels like, and, and my understanding is like, it's so horrific. And some of the stories from there are so nightmarish. It's really hard to show on a screen and keep people eating popcorn. Right. Um, and people are stuck in trenches. It's, I can see reasons why, but it was really nice to see that infantry unit, particularly given some credit on screen mm -hmm. um, and get, and getting to see, John David Washington and Chris Rock, while not starring roles, especially not Chris Rock's, that was really nice to see. Yeah. Love John David Washington getting as many credits as we can give him at this point in his career. Oh gosh, it's crazy, yeah. There's something weird where he basically goes from Tenet to Malcolm and Marie. This There's a couple... What? what? No, no, like, like it's just like how... Yeah. Like, all of a sudden now he's like almost everywhere at this point. But also, when's, is Tenet the only hit? I'm a, oh, there was... Um, Black Klansman, was it called? Yeah, Black Klansman. That that's was his, like that's I think that might even first... yeah, that's actually his proper breakout. You're right. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. not Tenet. And he was in Malcolm X in nineteen ninety two. 
which oh, was his right. father's movie. That's right. I don't even. Yeah. I, I'm assuming he played a child. Uh, yeah. Of, of I mean, I'm not sure. Um, Malcolm X, huge hit. Black, uh, Black Klansman, huge hit. Tenet, hit by Christopher Nolan standards. Some people didn't like it. Hit right. After that, we're talking Malcolm and Marie. We're talking a couple other ones that are just. I hope. I hope he makes a few good decisions in the near future or, mm-hmm. you know, gets a new agent or something. Cause I would love to see that man in Oscar conversations in future years and getting just all the Hollywood walk of fame stuff that he's, I really do enjoy watching him act. I hope that this, this flop of Amsterdam doesn't portend worse things for his future. I hope that that changes soon. Cause there was it was a couple of few years ago. It was like, oh, this is the one we were promised kind of thing, and now yeah. he's still this. Everyone says he's amazing in this movie or that movie, but that the movie overall doesn't work. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. The only other thing I was going to point out is overall, I, I what you were saying about this movie being a little glossed over or sugar coated. There's something like there's the weird madcap. Um, it's like everything's through a brighter lens than it should yes. have been and a little less yes, dirty than it should have been. Yes. Like it's like you see, you know, a, a vintage piece of silverware and someone just polished it right before you yes. walked in. They're like, look at this beautiful history. And you're like, that thing, that's probably been through some things. Right. That, that extra shine to me is, is it, that feels flat when the seriousness of what you're talking about is so high one effect, one thing that can affect that is the um, the score. And we're yeah. talking, I'm just going off of like what I'm reading online. Hilda, mm, she did the Joker score. And I'm going to do my best. Oh. Hilda, Buona Beltier, something okay. like that. I remember memorizing that when Joker was an Oscar convo. And yeah, yeah, Hilda yeah. Was, um, won the Oscar for best original score there. I could see, and she's done some like indie music projects in the past. I could see... David O. Russell being, which now it's it's so strange. I'm wondering if there's maybe something else because it's not coming up on their. Yeah, it says crew members include score composer, Hilder wanted. Um, so but it's not coming up on their other filmography. So maybe something's missing. But all I'm only saying that, the same person did the movie, the music for Tar. Oh. And that does that make yeah? So I one of the reasons I'm hyped to see Tar and a movie about a composer. Mm-hmm. Who you get for that composer is very important. And getting a, a the most prominent in my mind female composer won the Oscar a couple yeah. years ago at least. That's cool. So um, I was thinking I was that New York Film Festival Triangle of Sadness, all that. Um, there's yeah. Uh, no, it's, I, it's 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 interesting that you bring that up too because like when you watch Tar, the one of the most important things about that movie is sound design you'll you'll fig- you'll figure that out and the, the the soundtrack because it really plays along nicely with that flow of that movie and the story that they're telling in this particular movie if it is the same person it did make it feel a little bit like sorry more... this is interesting okay. I, I have to interrupt just because yeah. it's not okay the, the what i was reading it goes on in August, da, 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 it was revealed that Guano de Tier exited as composer with Daniel ah, Pendleton now composing okay. the film. Kind of makes more sense now. Okay. Of, of, and especially it was like, it was, I, I'm trying to remember, but it's essentially like, it feels pluckier and kind of like, yeah. like comedy score. Like, yeah. Like just that feel. Right. Um, I, I did, there was a couple moments I saved him on Shazam, um, especially at the end, which 
okay, I'm glad we brought this up. Drake yeah. helped produce yes. this movie. Yes, I know. I'm glad you brought that up because I remember seeing that in the credits. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> so what, all I know, and this is my little theory, which maybe someone hit it in the comments if you have a fact that disproves this immediately. My baby theory is Drake produces this movie. Drake, I know for a fact, on the credits is listed as a songwriter for the mm-hmm. ending credits song sung by Givion, Givion. And it's basically taking the score and then putting Givion's R&B soulful vocals on top of it. Mm-hmm. But Drake is listed as a songwriter. Is this just Drake investing money in an EGOT possibility? Oh, as a songwriter for the original song in the movie. Now, maybe it's not an original song or it doesn't count because of whatever reason. I don't know. But it's using the score from the movie. I believe it's a new song. Drake's a producer. But I could also see Drake not wanting to put, you know, too much risk on it or doing, you know, he's done songs for at least the LeBron James documentary. Right. Like I could see him being like, well, I've got too many millions. Let me just do a quick investment on my legacy because what else am I doing with it? Maybe that'll pay me back. I'll get more money from that and maybe I'll get the Oscar. That's kind of a, this is clever. So I was curious about that because I was shocked to see his name and I started to put it together like maybe he's doing a low-key play. I don't know. It's interesting. Could be. I mean, he, he wants to solidify his name and his career so that he could attend more basketball games because, you know, that's really what he wants to do, right? That's everyone's goal in life is to eventually yeah. be successful enough to that you can attend basketball games wearing the Tracy Morgan from 30 Rock EGOT necklace. Exactly, exactly. Buying it from, which, which I'm only saying that because I saw Tracy Morgan at a Knicks game a few days ago. He was not wearing the necklace, unfortunately. Oh, but okay. That's my little conspiracy um, theory about this movie, about conspiracy hey, theories. I, I, I like it. I, I, I like it. Um, Thank you. And, and, and before we close things out, also going back on the whole World War One thing, um, you're right. Um, I remember when Peter Jackson put out that documentary, uh, which was beautifully done. I, I actually liked it a lot. And then 1917. 1917, in most recent memory, is like one of the few that really focuses on World War I. Um, that was uh, the Sam Mendes uh, movie, which was like the, the one-shot movie, that the whole movie was like one take, or it looks like one shot, um, oh, which I really enjoyed. But that's more of like, you know, an action-based, you know, movie, you know, and all that. So... The it war is more if, just the setting for it, unlike right, Wonder it, Woman, which is a true World War One movie. One hundred percent. Where she jumps over some trenches in World War One. Oh yeah, One. yeah. No man. Another one recently oh, yeah. is is yeah. Um, uh, another one is uh, Peaky Blinders has been one of the more recent things oh, right. that really got it in the public yeah. consciousness because mm-hmm. that is huge and informs a lot of that. Um, the only other one I'm throwing out there is Stanley Kubrick's got one, Paths of Glory. So that's one of the hardest hitting. Kirk sure. Douglas movies is early Stanley Kubrick. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, what were you saying about th- that recent, like, no, like to just to go along with your, with your, with your point that, you know, the fact that world war one is prime, the primary setting of this movie, Amsterdam, um, it, it, it really treated it's the setting it more of the flashbacks yeah. and where the three characters meet, but then the rest of it's set, what, about 15 years in the future or something like that. Something yeah. like that. But but again, it, it's, it goes over the after effects of that war, right? That's why you yeah. have Christian Bale's character, who is the doctor, who's trying to help a lot of these veterans from that war and all that. The and whole I felt like, yeah. It all, the denouement of the movie is a World War One veterans uh, gala. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you would think that it, there would have been a little bit more seriousness to it. And that, don't get me wrong. Like when you, you have Christian Bale, like talking to these vets, especially at his office, helping them out with their prosthetics and all that stuff like that. That's some serious stuff. But it was treated with a more with a smile, You're like so a right. smirk, you know. You're so right. Like the dialogue is serious. And David O. Russell, yeah. to my mind, is good at that yeah. and portraying that. It's like the camera work was funny or something. Right. I, what is wrong with this? If it's, you if you have any theories, let us know what's wrong with this movie. Please I'm, do. I'm still not sure. Please, yeah. please do. Because it is it is so, again, it's interesting that with this director, with this cast, with this yeah. the subject matter, we should have been talking more highly about it than we are right now. And we're not. Because like we, the common theme here is that there's just something missing or there's something off. If you know what it is, let us know. If please. you have your own theories, please, please let us know because it is kind of off-putting in a way. And I, I, it's just weird. It's just weird overall. And doesn't bode well for the movie as a whole because I'm looking at the box office tallies as of right now. We are recording this on a Sunday. Um, not looking good when you have... An eighty million dollar movie coming in third, making only six point five million. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be an uphill battle. That uh, hurts. Dude. That that is gonna be painful, and I'm sure they're feeling all of that right now. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. I, I again, I think the big question is: if you're watching this, you may have already seen it. What were your thoughts on the movie? You know, yeah. are you feeling like us, like kind of like in the middle or just trying to figure it out? Let us know. Or if you haven't seen this movie, are you at all planning to see it in the theater? Or are you going to wait for streaming and all that kind of stuff like that? Let us know in the comments because that will be really interesting to kind of gauge what that feeling is and all that. Because that will say a lot about what the audience expectations are for a movie like this. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far, but before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one, there are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. It also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how about you but for me some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach makes me a little burpy and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up uh, which is something that I need for my coffee every day bulletproof also offers a lot of keto friendly snacks and supplements anything that you need to kind of add to your everyday nutritional needs add to your diet pretty much transforms the way you feel every day so for a limited time if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now low-key geek all caps one word you can get 15 percent off your order so what is it better than that right check out the link in the description of this episode use this code get yourself your discount and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with bulletproof coffee now back to the episode um so yeah so as we move on from one happy-go-lucky movie to a triangle of sadness um 
uh i, I kind of like that transition i kind of did that no, that was um, fantastic <laughs> yeah, there's something backwards about these two movies where one is about horrible things happening and it's a comedy and this other one is right about horrible things having try but it's and it's serious but it's feels like a com- bravo it yeah it's it's this is an interesting movie this is and and uh, I had a chance to see this during uh, the first week of New York Film Festival uh, earlier this week. Um, so it was a packed house because uh, this has been a talked about movie ever since it won the Palme d'Or Award at Cannes Film Festival. Um, and I was so looking forward to not only experiencing it myself, but seeing the audience reaction because of what I've heard of the movie. And I think this is one of those movies where you do have to talk we have to talk about the theater experience because it and I'll, and I'll let you start first before I go into to what I experienced. But it is definitely one of those movies where you're going to get so many different types of reactions. I'll, I'll preface it by saying this. When it was being introduced before the movie started, uh, the presenter was even saying, I don't want to say much about this movie because it is one of those movies where you have to experience it yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I want all of you to have a genuine reaction to it. And boy, did we ever get one. So, Blake, I, I know you had a chance to see this movie uh, last night. So let me know what-, what were your thoughts and what was your experience like in the theater for this? <laughs> Just on some big picture stuff, the reviews are way better for Triangle of Sadness than Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. If you, yeah. you want to have a more inspired film conversation, enjoy that. Stick around for this one because this was yes. an interesting, fascinating movie that I am still fascinated by. And I'm excited to talk to you because I haven't worked it out in my head, like mm-hmm. how I feel about it and, and what, what's good. I can give you like my initial thoughts at the theater. Uh, I was laughing or nervous laughing. Yes. Very loudly. Most of the time. I'm going to give a little more context. I just seen Licky Lee perform at the Apollo Theater devastating heartbreaking music and just like the heartbreak and the aching and listening to this woman sing these beautiful profound heartbreak songs and then i go see triangle of sadness and was not ready for that transition apparently because i nervous laughed many times and there are times where i properly just like that was a great joke hilarious yeah i heard only one or two other people laughing only a couple other times oh no this is a actually mm, same theater? I think it's the same, th- oh, different theater than I saw um, Amsterdam, but similar concept, like an AMC, but it's a little further out of the way. This was the late showing, and it was I, it was fuller than Amsterdam, which says a lot. Mm. Um, a lot of people who it seems like these are film buffs who like this director, they hear that it wins the Palme d'Or, and they say, I'm going to go show up for that movie. I yeah. like this, this, this director, whatever. But it felt like a more informed audience, whereas Amsterdam, maybe you get some accidental people being like, oh, is that funny? It's got Chris Margot Robbie. I'll go see it. Whatever. Right. This one, there's a little bit higher bar of entry, which is usually portends good things for the audience. When you have people who want to be there for what the movie is probably going to be, you usually have better reactions. My understanding is that this has gotten a lot of reactions from people and mostly positive. Mm-hmm. This theater seemed kind of pissy. Wow, really? kind of pissed at me for being a loud laugher. That's just like the feeling I got. But when you laugh way too loud and then there's people around you who are dead quiet, you can already be like, okay, did I just ruin everyone's night? Like, 
am I making it harder for them to laugh by they're uncomfortable and now this asshole is laughing a couple rows in front of me? I don't know. I had a great time at this movie, feeling all types of great things and sometimes some of the weirdest, grossest feelings I've had in a theater. Mm -hmm. Normally, with a movie like this, there's enough comedy and they give you a softer landing. Like, oh, this is the comic relief. This, they're... There was comedy, and then the relief was tragedy. Right. And there's things that like, oh, this is horrible. This person is being treated like garbage, or this person is going through, I'm thinking, I don't even know how to describe it, the young male model in the lifeboat thing. And and mm-hmm. I'm watching, and I'm doing nervous laughter for some of those, and every now and then there's a joke where I do a laugh. It is properly uncomfortable of a movie, yeah. but... I personally, as someone who enjoys that, like discomfort, like Uncut Gems is one of my favorite movies of all time for a reason. I This movie hit me in whatever zone I was in mm-hmm. to where I felt it pretty strongly. If this is your bag, I think you'll have a good time. At the very least, go check it out and like experience something at the movies. Whereas some of these other movies we talked about recently, there's some like, meh, or like Amsterdam, we're like, yeah, that was a little soft like no this one was just like a slap across the face at the worst and sometimes it was a joy ride i will also couch it with i identify as at least a democratic socialist and sometimes i feel a little more further than that in an amsterdam review i talked about being anti-fascism which is just what a wild thing to say in 2022 for this movie, there was a few moments where I had a great time. Uh-huh. And then you're watching, okay, what happens when we Lord of the Flies this thing, put them oh, yeah. in the state of nature, and see how people who... There was a debate in the middle of the movie between a capitalist and a communist, a Marxist, sorry, Woody Harrelson. And now we're watching them play out some of these ideals, and it got, at times, beautiful and utopian, and at times, pretty gross. Yeah, I'll leave it there for now. I'm sure we can get into some like little the theories or our favorite things about it. But I want to hear. I don't know how I feel fully. What, what did you think, man? My gosh, um, this is probably the most outrageous movie of the year. Um, but for me, in a good way, it was. I. It's been a long time since I laughed this much in a movie, but very much similar to you where my laughter was either full-blown <laughs> laughter because something was so funny or outrageously <laughs> funny, or, oh, my God, what are they doing now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, especially, like, like during the tragic yeah. moments, too, because you're, you're right. This had a lot of balance between comedic moments and then followed up by tragedy. But the tragedy could also be seen as comedic depending on how you look at it or which lens you're looking mm-hmm. at it, you know? One great example to me was, you know, you have all these rich people on the yacht going through, like, their worst time ever, right? And they're just, like, re- you know, recovering. And then we, <laughs> they do an outside shot and you see a pirate ship coming in about to, like you know, like board the yacht. And during that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm already laughing so much about all of the stuff that they went through during their like most awful night. And now this is going to happen. What's, what's this about? You know? So I'm like nervously laughing because I'm just like (laughs) anticipating like the worst. Right. And it's just, and again, if, if, 
if we haven't said so already, spoiler alert, we are going to we're going to just mention some stuff about this movie because you can't we can't talk about this movie There's and have no a discussion way. without I need to. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. I'm, I'm compelled. And, there was a flood of shit water yes. drowning rich people and they are going through health crisis after health crisis. Right. It was amazing to watch. I know I probably yeah. shouldn't say that. I don't no, no, it, I don't I don't wish ill on anyone who exploits the poor whatsoever i want everyone to do great <laughs> but, and if but, it comes at their expense it's kind of funny so right. that's all i'm saying but one of the best parts especially during that <laughs> moment was you have again the, the the capitalist and the marxist goading these people <laughs> on on the intercom you know <laughs> you have... <laughs> there's a there was a few years ago where there was a popular news story, and every time it happened, it would hit the, the news. It was like there was piracy on cruise ships. Yes. And then there was the ones where there was some health issue. Yeah, um, like salmonella breakout or whatever. Yeah. And then early days, uh, spring, summer 2020, it was the horror stories of people who were stuck on a boat, and we didn't know pandemic situation at that right. time. Right. And then they're stuck on a boat of sickness brilliant setting for a movie that's going to comment oh, yeah. on these things. Mm-hmm. How have we not had more movies that are, it, it could be a horror movie. It could be a comedy. It could be social commentary. It could be a family drama. Yeah. I need more movies. Uh, like there's submarine movies and war movies. That's as close as I'm thinking. Like there's some yeah. really good ones in that world. Otherwise, like we need more cruise movies. Um, what Meryl Streep had one a year ago where she's the author on a boat. Oh, right, anyway, right, right. The, yeah. It is a good setting for that. But the sick cruise on the luxury yacht concept, brilliant way to flesh out some of these, uh, these concepts. And, uh, it, and it, it's just like, especially the way they tie in the social commentary too. Like it, it's like, now, if you've been to a resort or if you've been on a cruise, you'll see these pockets of people mm-hmm. that are different aspects of society. And But when you focus and concentrate on one society, one aspect of society, especially the uber rich, right? The ones that mm-hmm. feel like they can get away with anything and put them through these disasters and tragic events oh. and just to see how they act to it. There's just something so brilliantly comforting about it. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, and you you just see how the realness of them, how it really comes out, what what they find most important, what they find um, that they are entitled to. The entitlement is just through the roof and everything. But uh, you know, before we we jump more into that, let me talk about my my theater experience because again. I saw this as a screening at New York Film Festival. So obviously everyone mm. there is like a film buff, uh, yeah. a cinema, a cinemaphile, all that kind of stuff, right? And you could tell, I could already sense there was there was this energy in the audience because everyone is gearing up. They're they are anticipating this movie. They can't wait. You know, because uh, they know and they oh go ahead. No, no, sorry. I, I, I definitely want to hear this. Sorry for interrupting. The I do, I haven't been to New York Film Festival. I'm mm-hmm. curious how many of the people there felt like maybe these are uber rich patron donors people. And one question I had was like, we'll see how this movie plays out over time where as it trickles down to more audiences that aren't film buffs or yeah, I'm curious how middle America Tuesday evening show goes sure. for this movie. I don't know how, how long its legs are, so to speak. 
I'm also was thinking during it of if I was a super rich person, I think I would love this movie because it's like a comedy roast of right. these folks. Yeah. And they get to see, oh, this is what the poor people are saying about me. This is so funny. And yeah. I'm still comfortable and have all that privilege, you know, insulating me from it. I could see someone enjoying it even. So, but anyway, I'm curious, like, can you describe the audience a little more? Sure. And when you're talking about, because I'm fascinated by the, your audience reaction compared to mine. Sure, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, New York Film Festival is usually taking place at uh, Lincoln Center uh, every year um, around this time. Now, the one thing that they did interesting this year, which they've done before, but not to this scale, is that they're expanding their screenings to the other boroughs of New York. So Brooklyn, Queens, even Staten Island, um, you could see special screenings for New York Film Festival in those areas. So with this particular screening, I was able to see it in Queens, where I live, um, at the Museum of Moving Image. So I feel like that is a prime audience setting for a movie like this because you're not going to get the uppity, high-donating donors at Lincoln Center who probably live a couple blocks away from there, right? You're going to get like a good mix of people who are... One, yes, you will yeah. still get those donators, but you'll get film students. You know, you know. Right. I, I think some critics were there, from what I've heard. Um, you know, and of course, the 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 patrons of Museum of Moving Image were there. Um, it's connected to Kaufman Studios, where they film a lot of TV stuff and movie stuff. So I'm sure people from those walks of life are attending it as well. So. It was a good mix and blend of all these ty- different types of people, and I think that's one of the reasons why you had that energy, that you know, at, you know the energy in the atmosphere, anticipating for this movie. Because everyone who was there was well aware that this movie won the Palme d'Or. Everyone is well aware that this has right. been like hitting the festival circuit big time, right? So throughout the movie, my laughter was joined with many of the other laughters that were in the audience. You know, it was like a good mix of all of us laughing at the same time, whether it was funny or uncomfortable or nervous laughter, we all shared that same experience. I was sitting next to this one lady where during the, again, the most horrific parts of the movie, the vomiting, the shit spewing out of all the toilets and all that. She was like in in agony. She was just like, Oh no! Oh, that's gross. But then at the same time, like two minutes later, she's laughing and everything okay. like that. You know, so interesting. I think my my theater experience was a lot more akin to me. Um, we all enjoyed this movie at the same time for all the same reasons. Um, the movie is also um, kind of long for a movie like this. It's like two hours and twenty minutes. Um, so I do feel like. Maybe a lot of people got worn out towards the end of the movie after all the laughing, yeah. all the you know, like because it does kind of it was longish too. Yeah, yeah, it it gets to a point where like okay, we we kind of get the whole thing. Let's just end this movie now. And I felt like there were many moments they could have just ended the movie, but they kind of just mm-hmm. kept going and going, especially mm-hmm. when they found themselves on the island, um, which ended up being a resort, which is like the most like crazy shit ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but um. After the movie ended, you had crowds of people outside still talking about it, you know, and and talking a lot of like positive stuff about it. So I I think of the majority of the people that I saw the movie with really loved the movie and really, really enjoyed it. 
this is this again we were there expecting to enjoy this movie and we did now to go to your point as to how this movie will this movie have legs or how it will resonate with like people in the midwest or other parts of the country um i don't think it's going to get that same type of reception um it's it's kind of hard when it comes to movies like this because word of mouth is going to be very important. I think word of mouth is yeah. going to really help spread this. And I don't think people will go out to the movie theater to pay uh, the ticket price to go watch a movie like this. I feel like this movie will get its legs once it hits a streaming service. Like if it hits a Netflix, if it hits a Hulu, then that's when you're going to get more people really, really wanting to see this movie and being open to watch this movie and then you'll start seeing more of the word of mouth on social media and all that stuff about a movie like this um because like it it is a it's a movie that can appeal to many different types of people because it does kind of switch genres in a way like in the beginning of the movie it felt like one of your typical romance you know drama comedy you know, especially since it focuses on those the one model and uh, the influencer and their very uncomfortable dinner setting of who's going to pay the bill and all that kind of stuff, which resonates with a lot of us. I think we've all had that kind of uncomfortable conversation at one point or another with a date or someone that we've been dating or seeing for a while. And then it switches to this like really, um, you know, kind of slap on the face of like the rich and everything with like, you know, exposing all these different different people from all their different like lines of work and how, you know, this the one lady who wants all everyone to take a swim or 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 jump into the ocean is like I'm rich I can say whatever you want, so you're swimming you're swimming in fact let's close the whole Whoa. boat and everyone's gonna swim, you know <laughs> like it's just it, it's so fascinating and then at the end like you said and I've said this in my review too um, it becomes Lord of the Flies where now the tides have turned and the rich who are so used of telling people what to do are now the ones being told what to do because the person who was looked upon as the help is now running things. And I love the fact that she, Gosh, and this actress so is what a turn. You know, uh, like mm. Dolly, Dolly De Leon is so good in this role and how she was so fierce. And the moment she's like, no, we're not on the yacht. So, on this island, I'm the captain. <laughs> and, and then she's like, and then she goes to each pre- person there. It's like, who am I? He's like, you're the guy. Like, the okay, captain. now you get food. <laughs> it's Amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant. If you just want some like socialism porn or whatever, like there's yeah. a few moments in this movie that'll just, next time you're s- stressing the man, just mm-hmm. pull this movie up and we'll play that clip or any oh, yeah. of the, the shit storm or, oh my gosh. There were some things where, it felt so lovely to watch. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Bless that. One. Some people are. Some people are talking about supporting actress stuff for this movie. I I could see. I could see. Like like like. For example, like Minari. Happen now. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we had oh. uh, that actress from Minari who who won a supporting actress. I won't be surprised if Dolly De Leon is looked upon uh, during this award season for the same same scenario. For sure, yeah. The recent one, like, it's often like a fifth person and they replace whoever. Kira Knightley's yeah. lesser role or whatever. But yeah. it's it's common to actually see nowadays, I think. Similar like how in our director category, we can expect to see maybe one or two international directors. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there was Roma a few years ago is one that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, and then definitely Minari uh, was a huge one. I, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'll put my prediction down <laughs> during spooky season. Yeah. Uh, I think she gets a nomination for this one. We'll see how it plays out. And I mm -hmm. also am curious the reception of this movie over time. Sometimes a movie like this, it plays for a few weeks in the coasts and then it just kind of disappears and you don't really yeah. hear much from it. Palm Doer winner has an American Woody Harrelson in the trailer prominently. Has it seems like it has some legs, and even the dude's last direct uh movie, I think it's nominated for um international film, The Square. I think it was The Square was I really yes. love. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would be surprised. And also, once sometimes, once someone gets some recognition from the Oscars, now it's in their you know their rear view mirror, so they're more likely to notice it and go, Oh, let me mark yeah. that one down. I'm gonna go and say, I think she, I know she. I feel confident that she'll deserve one once we see the nominee shake out. I'd be surprised if she doesn't get it at this point. Yeah, like it would it would be like the two people I would consider uh in the conversation for a movie like this is definitely her for sure. But then the 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 guy who played the the Russian entrepreneur, the the the, yeah. the, the guy who sells shit. <laughs> he said like I sell shit. <laughs> And then he's the one who goes on the intercom and says, the oh. boat the boat is sinking. The boat is sinking. <laughs> Gosh. Dude, okay. There's something kind of, there's some, it's obviously tragedy and there are human lives at stake in the stories of the cruise ship where it's sick. But it's like late night comedy fodder. Those right. stories may, were used repeatedly for jokes by like the Jimmy Kimmels of the world. Mm -hmm. The moment where... They get food poisoning, which to my mind, for a second I thought, did they get poisoned? I think they wanted to leave that vague. But to my mind, the chef says, oh, the rich person wants the staff to go swimming for their entertainment? The food's going to okay. go bad. Yeah. The food's going to go bad. Yeah. The food goes bad. They all get food poisoning, or at least many, most of them do. They get so sick that it's a hilariously nightmarish scene at the dining room where just sick. It's like the bridesmaid scene in the street. But mm -hmm. this one goes on, like you were saying earlier, this one does go on for a long time. It does. I kind it of does, wondered yeah. in the editing room if they thought it would be, okay, like the Bridesmaid one, or we see it in movies sometimes, they just keep pushing it and people just keep laughing. That isn't what happened in my theater at all. Uh, and there's something really weird about like nausea comedy, um, mm -hmm. where this really gross thing is happening. And, and so like, I'm disgusted by what I'm seeing, but I, it's kind of funny or it's played as comedy. There's something that can be off-putting about that. But yeah, uh, they. <laughs> I just wanted to play out the events. Staff goes swimming for their entertainment. Food's going to go bad. Food goes bad. Nightmare scene, everyone being sick on each other and the staff and everything. Right. Also, clogging also like, toilets, flooding. Also, on, yeah. on, on top of that, leading to that point, too, you have the drunk captain who really doesn't care about meeting any of these people prolonging nope. the captain's dinner yes, to the worst right. night to do it where it, there was supposed to be a pending storm. So you that's have... Right. That's right. Because why the of miscommunication, ship, yeah. which is like a little statement on bureaucracy or something right. like that. She goes, Thursday, we can't do it. He goes, Thursday's good. Yeah. No, not, not Thursday. When do you want to do it? Any day but Thursday. Okay, Thursday. Thursday, There's yeah. There's a storm on Thursday. <laughs> All right, I'll see you there. And then... This person who um, I'm, I'm going to have harsher words for this person because they're kind of like in the intermediate between the poor and the rich. Yes. The yes. boot licking first, whatever yeah. the title is, where she's the one giving the staff instructions and giving the champ mm -hmm. money, money, like that yep. moment. That mm -hmm. person, 
no patience or tolerance for them. Oh, yeah. The rich person, at least like you go like, okay, I get it. You get the long end of the stick. This person's just a bootlicker. And this is the person who says, no problem. We'd love to make you happy. I'm here to say yes. I'm a yes person. Mm-hmm. Oh, the food's going to go bad? I don't care. I have to make this person happy. Right. Well, that person's really the impetus for everything that happens after that. So you go sickness, clogged toilets, floody, flooding shit water throughout it. Some people getting so sick, I'm like, they're going to die. Then Captain and the Russian oligarch dude getting so drunk and they're on the intercom yelling socialist texts, reading out of the book, debating about socialism and Marxism versus capitalism. (laughs) And they're so shit faced. And so, um, and they show the looks on the poor, poor rich people's faces. Oh my God, they're all pale and they're just like listening to this. Mm -hmm. The needs of the people shall be satisfied and just whatever the hell. Noam Chomsky and burping sounds and just that is where conceptually it's brilliant. Yeah. It's kind of hard to watch. It's kind of stomach churning, mm. but yeah. I loved it. And then I didn't, I missed something because I was actually looking down at the moment when I hear a lot of laughter. The biggest laugh I heard from the audience, I, it has to be the pirate ship moment because I miss it. Okay. At the end of this little saga, mm-hmm. There's must be a pirate ship. That's got to be what I missed because I look up yeah. and I'm like, wait, what? And then they're shipwrecked somehow on the island. What? Can you just like fill in that? Yeah. How we go from that to now they're in the state of nature fighting for survival and kill like almost like eating each other for food. Not quite, but. Right. Yeah. So this is literally like the morning after. Right. So everyone is still recovering from all the disasters that happened the night before. And you get this really funny scene. It's a outside shot of the boat. And you just see this little like pirate boat. You see these like two guys talking to each other in I I, I don't know if it's Guyanese or whatever they I don't know what language it is. But you could tell, okay, these are pirates. They got guns, right? And they're like approaching this yacht. So <laughs> it's just it's just in that again, like I said, it was one of those moments where I'm already like exhausted laughing from everything that transpired. And now I'm nervous laughing because I don't know what's coming next, but it can't be good. But I'm sure it's going to be funny. So in another brilliant writing moment, they cut back to the boat and you have the two old couple that they make their money off of military weapons and and armory and all that. And then you just hear the clink. And you see a grenade roll next to them. Oh, and and the old lady. Wow. The old lady picks up the grenade and it's like, Oh, I think this is one of ours. And the guy's like, oh, yes, it is. And he's like, oh, the minute they realize that they should throw this overboard, again, back to the outside shot, and you see the explosion. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then you hear, and you hear me like, ah! (laughs) Which then cuts, and then that's what leads to the third act. Of the stranded oh, wow. on the deserted island, which ends up being a resort that they didn't know about. <laughs> I love this movie. I'm glad we're talking it through. I'm glad you filled me on that little thing I missed. I need to see this movie ASAP. I love it so much more now. With like, there's a few things, yeah. and I'm sure on a rewatch, this is that kind of movie where you go, "Oh, I didn't realize this character was yes. doing this thing at that time." And yeah, this is a metaphor for mm-hmm. the fast a class struggle. This is I love this movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's it's again the writing was just really smart, 
really smart and it plays along really well with today's society, you know, the, the views of society, especially when it comes to, you know, influencers and the rich and how they like portray their lives, especially like on social media and everything like that. I think it was brilliant how in the beginning when they were having that fashion show and it was like words of like affirmation and encouragement. It was just like, oh, that's really the hardest. I, I laughed multiple yeah. times. Every time a new thing flashed, I laughed hard. Yeah. And I, here's, I have a little side theory I'll throw in now. Yeah. I went to, you went to a theater with New York Film Festival people. So maybe there were some Richies there. I went to yeah. like the richest area for AMC movie theater. There's some people who oh. barely, like they were wearing okay. some nice coats for okay, sure. Okay. 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 And maybe like, like creative world fashion. So, and they're like, I don't know if they were in, like if they got the joke and or if they were kind of mad about it, were uncomfortable. Like, oh right, I know it. Because East Coast Richies are hilarious because they know. Oh yeah. The dynamic, like they hear liberal conversation all the time, and then they have to like show up to things, events every now and then that have like the fashion. I I can't remember right now, but the the one that kept repeating of like, um, cynicism masquerading as optimism. Yes. Yes. I guffawed and not one other person in that theater laughed, which made it even funnier for me because I get a little ornery in those settings. <laughs> I, en oh, I enjoyed it so much. It was so good. It was so good. Um, that scene, a lot of people in my audience were dying. They were laughing because, again, okay. it, it's it's so subtle. And if you're not paying attention, you could easily gl like, gloss over it. But once you have like these words flashing on the on the big screen at the background, and it all of a sudden, fashion, and everyone's just like, woo, da, 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 and strutting their shit on the on the runway, it's just so hilarious. It, it, it's almost like one of those like crazy absurd Zoolander moments, but in in more realistic settings, you know. The, I, I there's something about the movie that's it's like a lot of criticism where they're making fun of these folks. And it's one question I do have about the movie is how legitimate and genuine is this? Sometimes it's satirical or mm -hmm. it's, it's critical. The last movie, the square was essentially a send up of the art world and yeah. that society. This one is going to be more influencer, Richie's class struggle stuff. Mm -hmm. The, Early on when the, the couple, they're doing some jokes and they're spelling them out pretty hard of, oh, this is an influencer and aren't influencers just so dumb? They don't even eat the food they take pictures of or whatever. And mm -hmm. like Zoolander, right, is going to be, uh, it's doing it knowingly, but it's like a dumb joke right. about a dumb male model. Right. I don't know to what degree the criticism here is necessary, but then same podcast I was talking about earlier, they were pointing out in this movie it's made by an international director and produced. Mm -hmm. So maybe depending on the audience that when it, that would get more play mm -hmm. if there's less awareness of what this person who's a, an influencer and in Instagram culture and whatever, like, and if someone's going into a movie and you know, let's say you're 19, you just took a history class in high school. You might not understand like the Russian oligarch concept. Sure. Sure. Maybe. So I think they maybe did a little spelling out and sometimes it was a, the jokes were a little easy, but I still feel like overall it was smart. The setting, the way they put these characters together, mm -hmm. the things they put the character through. 
And then the only weird, I think one of the things that'll be harder for this movie to gain traction through word of mouth is that ending, which I think uh, we're, yes. we're ready to talk we should, about. We should talk about that. Yeah. It but gets before more we do, uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, please, before please. We, we do, I, wa- I do want to touch base on the whole influencer thing too, because another smart joke that they did, which was kind of subtle in a way. And I think some of the audience I was with got it. Some probably they, they missed it was the part when they were at the dinner this yes. not the main dinner but another dinner and yep. it this is like this is the setting where everyone's basically meeting each other for the very first time and you got the model couple the the model and influencer couple sitting on the same table with the shit dealer with the shit seller and all that and the the boyfriend who's the model is obviously the the person that we see all the time these days is taking all the instagram shots of the, his girlfriend and she is posing with a bowl of pasta, right? And he's taking, like, multiple pictures. And we've seen him do this already many times, right? Yeah. And then you hear a comment on the side from the Russian guy. He's like, are you going to eat the pasta? And they're like, what? And like, are you going to eat the pasta? And then she's like, no, I'm, I'm, what did she say? Like, I'm gluten intolerant yeah, or something like that. Something, like, like some, yeah. some excuse. So she wasn't even planning to eat the food. She's just posing right. with the food. And yeah. I just couldn't stop laughing at that because that speaks a lot to what's happening now. It, there are things like that where it's a little, to me, that joke is a little obvious. Yeah. And maybe because my audience wasn't laughing the same way. But like, I could see anybody giving like, oh, influencers are so dumb. The millennials, right. they don't know what's, they don't even eat their food or whatever. Yeah. But there's something metaphorical happening too, because of that, and then also you're, yeah, there's another dinner scene, um, which we can get to like the importance of food at the oh, yeah. end. But there's triangle of sadness is a phrase that's used early on about the male model and how he needs to relax his triangle of sadness. Yep. And there's also three parts of the story. The first is this couple, model and yep. influencer. The second one is on the boat and all these rich people and their interactions with themselves and the staff. And then thirdly, it's the state of nature. So it actually hits on, it's been a while since I took a lit class, but you're essentially looking at the personal, the societal, and nature. Yeah. Um, in the first one, it's a couple arguing about paying a bill for dinner and there's gender equality brought up there's class struggle brought up and at some point the character asks what's essentially could be like a thesis of the movie what why is it so awkward to talk about money right and his theory is that it's gender roles and i think some i'm I'm, race is definitely brought up in the movie but there's definitely some people who say okay gender and race are one thing but then class struggle is the real struggle and that's what causes these other ones yeah we're not the episode that's going to get into that. But there is something interesting where early on in the movie, he brings up that theory and then we take it further than just, oh, it's awkward because you're a woman who makes more money than me. And I, you said you would pay for dinner. I was laughing so hard at those tense moments. It was Mm -hmm. that uncut gems kind of laugh. Nobody else is laughing, but I, I've had those conversations in some of those moments before. And that awkward, it's an old Seinfeld joke. Yeah. They didn't reach for the bill. They didn't even reach for their wallet. Like, that's just standard comedy in my mind. But now we're adding this very political layer to it. Turns out the couple has an argument, a fight that kind of gets uncomfortable with the man keep opening the doors to the elevators. Yep. Kind of comical and kind mm-hmm. of very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, 
you have the comedy and the discomfort, but there's a political message underneath all of it. And we're seeing it play out. And I think what was the smartest thing about this movie is that he's not hitting you over the head with these things. He's telling stories of people that feel real enough and I'm bought into it and their dialogue. There's a couple characters that have a straight up dialogue of capitalism versus Marxism, but even that becomes metaphorical when they're doing it on the intercom and torturing other people and they're drunk during it or whatever. There's, you could add like layers of that metaphor to it, but a lot of it isn't proper debate the way that the couple debated or they debated. And there's ones like around the campfire at the end in the state of nature where they're saying like, mm-hmm. how should we punish people? Who deserves the food? The person who makes it, the person who catches it, whatever. Right. There are those debates happening during it, but I think the my favorite part of the movie is the other things that are happening around that and contextualizing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the kind of movie why I'm glad we're talking it through. It's the kind of movie that actually has a longer aftertaste than the oh, actual yeah. story and the dialogue that's happening in the moment. I think I'm going to rewatch it ASAP just because it'll get richer with seeing some of the, not just uh-huh, richer. This is what's happening in this moment. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, not just, this is what's happening in this moment and I'm trying to pay attention to it all, but Oh, there are layers to this for sure. Yeah. No. And I, I'm glad you said that too, because in my review, in my, uh, on the channel, I, I do bring up the whole triangle of sadness meaning too, you know, like, you know, what was described to the audience as what it means in the fashion world. But when mm-hmm. you look at it in the lens of the movie, it it pretty much describes the three arcs of the movie, you know, the first, the middle, and the end. And how the the culmination of it all is pretty sad for not only a lot of the people there, but for us as an audience member watching and the realization of, a lot of this is happening in society these days too. So it's sad to see it portrayed in this way, even though we're laughing a lot about it and all that. Right. But um, with that being said, one of the, I, I don't know if I would call it uncomfortable, but the ending and they, like, how does one really interpret the ending of this movie? You know, because it, it, it again, it might speak, about how you feel about things, right? Or how you view society and all that. So basically, and again, we've already mentioned spoilers and all that kind of stuff like that. Again, we cannot talk about this movie without talking about the movie. So they're on this island. The the brilliant Abigail that we mentioned, who is now the captain of the island, manipulates her way and her power because now she's the hunter. Now she's the one that provider for all these people who don't know how to do any of that stuff. So... You know, she she takes a liking to the the model who who survived, who is still with the influencer, who is still on the island with them. You know, decides to pretty much bait him into being her you know lover because she provides him with food. So it's transactional, which was again mentioned in the beginning with the with the couple because in a way their relationship was very transactional too. Because one is an influencer, mm-hmm. the other one's a model, all that kind of stuff. So it comes full circle. Thank right? you so much for making that You're connection. You're welcome. It was You're right there. Yep. They literally say the words like, oh, I'm getting something out of this. You're getting something out of exactly. this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? And he's like, no, but I think I love you and I want a baby someday. She's like, huh, okay. He goes, all right, I'll work it out and I'll show you that I love you. Well, time will tell. Right. Oh, there's the, the message there, the cynicism masquerading his optimism there. Is yeah. real. I need to watch this again. Damn. And there's yeah. gonna be a lot of things like that that are more meta than I'd first realized, or 
the message is the movie's actually not saying the message that the characters are saying that you think it might be saying that it's mm -hmm. actually saying something even more nihilistic or cynical. I was thinking about the the one where if you think this is a socialist movie, keep in mind that there's a drunken captain of a luxury yes. yacht debating with a Russian oligarch, and he's the voice of communism, and he's torturing people with this debate. And there could be a metaphor there for like, oh, if you're hearing, let's I'm just going to throw out some names. Bernie Sanders and whoever else is on the other team mm -hmm. debating. And if you are cynical and you say none of this matters, that would be, it's nightmarish, right? It's just over yeah. the loudspeaker and it's in your face and you want to avoid it and you literally cannot. <laughs> and so there's something very like, uh, okay, I'm going to let that one go for now. But the, <laughs> the last movie being about the art world in this one, there felt something super cynical about it. Mm -hmm. where the person isn't on either side of the thing that they're sending up. They're not yeah. saying, oh, the art world's actually good or bad. They're just saying it's I, it's as if, to me, what I'm guessing the ending means is that nothing matters. And we're in the state of nature, and we are in a continuation of the state of nature. Mm -hmm. And what plays out in the world where there's a person and it's all transactional. And, and I'm seeing this person who catches the fish. I'm thinking maybe yeah. she's pure of heart. Maybe she'll lead the utopia. Maybe she'll create a new society, at least for a few days until they get found or something. Yeah. Nope. Turns out to be doing a lot of the same bullshit the other people were doing. So I exactly. think the, yeah. the ambivalence of the director and how this thing is arbitrary. And this is just like, oh, you get away with what you can. You get one over on people when you can. You do what's best for you. You make some mistakes. And it turns out we have a bit of a mess at the end of all that. I think that that's enough of a takeaway and thesis for like what this movie is actually saying. Not mm -hmm. rich people suck, LOL but something much deep, deeper or further removed from that. I have to kind of divorce myself from yeah. that to say, oh, this is what the director's probably saying. For the ending, which yeah. I don't think we went into yet. No, no, yeah. The, yeah, so uh, yeah, the way I was painting the picture, so just setting the scene. So obviously you have the new couple on the island because of the transactional and the provider and you know all that, and every, each person provides a need. It gets to a point where all right, are we going to put this out in the open or are we still going to kind of keep this secret? You still have the the influencer girlfriend who is still uncomfortable with a lot of things. So they decide to go on a hike together. That's the influencer and Abigail, the new captain of the island. They go on this hike and they find out that they've been on a resort island the whole time. So as they find the elevator... <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right before they enter, Abigail decides, like, well, I have to take a piss real, real quick first. Oh, uh, and then we'll go and, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. Whoa, 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 what's up? Did you believe that she was actually taking a piss? As soon no, no, as no, I no, saw no. the resort? No. OK. No, that was her okay. excuse that she gave. She said, I have to yeah, go take okay. a piss and then, and then yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> you could tell she's plotting. She's like, I don't want this to end because this is like the best. I am the I captain have the, now. I am the captain. I have the power. I call the shots. I've never had a chance to do this before. I, there's no way I'm going to be losing this. So you could. She's plotting to basically take out the influencer. You know, she got the rock in hand and she's ready to do it. As she's approaching the influencer, we don't see her face, but we just see her talking. And she's like, "You know, Abigail." I, I, you know, I feel like I want to do something for you. Maybe you can work for me when we get back and all that. And then that line, that line 
and it just cuts Whoa. to black. And then we see the model boyfriend, what appears to be him running for his life in the jungle. And then the movie really ends at that point. That's how you interpret it was running for his life. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that is a yeah, valid yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you're yeah. wrong. I hadn't thought about that one. I hadn't thought okay. about it too much. I decided to just like let it slow burn in my subconscious and we talk it out. Yeah. If it's okay, I'll take one step back. Please go as for it. Yeah. As soon as we see the resort, I go, oh, influencer girl's about to die. For sure. <laughs> Which is my own cynical interpretation. Yeah. We then see, of course, over the next few minutes, oh, I'm going to go take a piss. And you're thinking, if this influencer girl knew what was good, she'd be watching her back for sure. Nope. She's so naive and been so comfortable in the yeah. roles that these people have been playing. Which reminds me of the the dialogue earlier when the not the ship captain, there's like the first attendant or whatever, the person, the bootlicker, and she's like, "Well, may I remind you that you are an employee of a luxury yacht, right. and mm-hmm. these are the customers." And she's like, "No, we're around a campfire, yeah. and there's no yacht anymore." Yeah, where's the yacht? Where's the yacht? Yeah. I don't see the yacht. <laughs> Similarly, the question is like, I guess Charlie Dean forgot, or their character forgot in that moment, which. We have to, I'm going to throw this in here right now, since this is a, an, a penultimate moment for this character. Mm-hmm. The actress who played Charlie Dean uh, passed on August 29th. And there's an element of that to this movie and its reception, how it's playing out. I just, there's something, I, I don't, I'm not going to try to act like I was a super fan or, or anything like that. I don't know wh- how that affects the movie's rollout. I have to imagine the cast has some a unique experience for the the press tour stuff of this mm-hmm. movie that's something to keep in mind um it's it added something to this movie and i can't even say what but there knowing that watching the movie and then there's a moment where this character is about to get murdered mm-hmm. it's it's obviously the director didn't intend that obviously no of course that's and I'm now I'm wondering I don't even know if it, the editing was done by then I'm sure feel free to look it up on some article about about this issue but if they don't show something or would have otherwise etc but there was something really not too dissimilar from like dark night and people seeing it because there's an added layer of oh my gosh this is there are real stakes at play in the world that we're inter- interacting with now it added it added something there. So anyway, in this movie where this character is about to die, I assume, but the the woman uh, who's become the captain is holding the rock and you're seeing yeah. her transform before your eyes into like a villainous, like mm-hmm. I'd never wanted to kill anyone, but now I have to. And there's this compromise of the social contract that they were starting to come up with. Almost like some there's some Cain and Abel metaphor going on there where one kills the brother with the rock and this is like an early step of the people separating and societies moving apart. There's, so, there's a biblical metaphor there if you want to get into it. I, I, I think that what I'd like to do if you're up for it is just give our interpretation of here's what I think happened. Obviously, we yeah. don't know because it's pretty open-ended. Yeah, we don't see her or hear anything with the rock, right? No, just I mean, I'm I've seen it one time. I 
That's so wild to me that they end the movie like that. I love it when they end movies like that. I know sure. some people who watch movies more casually who are angry if the movie doesn't make it very clear, like clear here yeah. is how everyone ended up. Yeah. Even recently I watched Snowpiercer with a friend like that and afterward we kind of know how they end up but they want that um what's it called the stinger at the end of the movie where they mm-hmm. go okay and 6 months later everyone's still alive sure. or whatever it is. I actually hate those stingers. I don't like it when they spell out a movie too clearly. I really love an ambiguous ending. Yeah. So much because movies to me are not stories. They are not bedtime stories or fairy tales. They are art experiences that are have all the qualities of audio, visual, writing. Every other yeah. art form essentially gets distilled in this the idea of like, oh, I just want someone to tell me a good story and I want to know how it ends. I want there to be a happy ending. Get out of here. That's not yeah. what you should expect from a movie like this, at least. There are movies like that for you if you want them. I think what happens, just based on my own, like, whatever cynicism, the way I think the way the world works, I assume two things. And this is a bit of um, um, cutting my losses or <laughs> hedging, hedging my bets. I think that she murders the influencer girl the society that she goes back to and says, I don't know, she fell or whatever. And then they kind of put things together and realize there's a resort and, and he's fleeing to either go get help or to get out of there. I didn't see it as running for his life. Like she's going to get, he's going to get murdered by the captain. That's not what I meant though. When I say running for his life, he's like frantically running. So it, the appearance of running for his life. I didn't say exactly what I, what I took away from that though. I see. Okay, and it's possible yeah, if he's yeah, running yeah. to the resort, it's he's going, this is my salvation, and I'm kind of running for my life in that way. Or I need to go get help because now this person is now murdering everyone who disagrees with her or whatever. <laughs> Gosh, there's not enough people in that society to, 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 to gulag it, man. Right. Please. Um, but yeah, the scene is, all we really know, cuts to black, holding the rock, and then he's running so fast, he's getting cut by the yeah. branches and the thorns, and he's still running through beautiful camera work and it was like great. visually stunning yeah and it ends and my heart just what did i just experience so what's your yeah. what's your theory yeah so first of all when it was all said and done and it we got the final fade to black i think there was a a, a great sigh of relief from <laughs> a lot of us because again a lot of intense stuff led to that moment right it got horribly um, uncomfortable yeah it really did especially again if you've ever watched lord of the flies like the movie or read the book i mean there's a lot when, once things really hits the fan it really hits the fan and it watch. gets it's very hard to watch and I, I like to put myself in those scenarios too sometimes and i'm just like oh my god could you imagine experiencing these things happening in front of you that poor disabled lady always getting left behind because everyone's just so busy fending off for themselves. And you just hear her in the distance at night, you know, that one phrase that she knows in German, you know, it's like, that's just awful and horrible. But when this happened, my immediate thought, and I still have the same thought today as we're talking about this. Yeah. She kills the influencer. That that's, that's a no brainer for me. Like I, I see her killing the influencer and somehow, we again, we don't know if this was the same day 
or days later when homeboy's running through the forest i think he found out that there is an escape this is a resort and there's an easy way for for us to get saved and all that okay. and i think so, in his mind survival instinct for himself came into yeah. play and like i need to get the fuck out of here so he is running as fast as he could to that mm. elevator that we haven't seen yet because i i am done with this now of course the more morbid thing is what you said she now has this sense of power and and thing <laughs> that anytime someone goes against her you're dead and he's just like, I can't deal with this. I'm running for my life and just to get away from it all. But I really do think he, he catches wind that there is an escape. Or she uses her power and exerts it so successfully that he's in love with her and he's running to the altar to marry the new queen <laughs> of forever land or whatever. No, um, there's something really, I, I'm now, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Thank oh, you yeah. for being my movie friend. The... <laughs> At the end, they only show his character. And you're thinking, if I'm looking for plot stuff, is there anyone behind him? Is there anyone right. running with him? Did he say, hey, everyone come with me? We have no idea. I think if there's a thesis to the movie, it's kind of what I hinted at earlier, but it's wrapped up in that moment. It's chaos, and it's every mm -hmm. person for themselves running forward as fast as they can and not able to even like put the pieces together as we go. It's just yeah. state of nature into like propulsion. Yeah. And that that instinct of if I can steal some pretzels and get away with it, I'll try to. Then I get pun all of these things. Okay, I'm a fair leader when it comes to food. I think we'll have a debate about it, and then I'm gonna use that to exert influence over someone for physical pleasure, or whatever. Like every character is kind, of, which you could say about society if you want to. Everyone's basically in it for themselves, doing the best they can with varying degrees of that and right that ending of it's every person for themselves is i think and nothing matters mm -hmm. in in the world of chaos i think there's something there i think that that's what the director is going with if i'm gonna put a thesis on it i'm gonna think about it some more though i'm guessing we'll be talking about this one again at awards time i'm I, sure i just have I'm a sure. feeling yeah and, and i do think a movie like this probably deserves a second watch because again you you may pick up a lot of things that we may have missed right so um i'm looking forward to watching this again um but before we we close this episode out and i think we talked brilliantly about this movie any final last thoughts like how how did this movie rank for you uh because we talked already about amsterdam <laughs> and how that ranked for you how was this as a a, a cleanser to that experience so glad I saw this one second. I'm going to... I'll couch it with five stars. That is not just because great directing, acting, story, yada, yada. Those things matter a lot to a movie. To me, the ultimate thing that would determine any score would be how the movie made me feel, what the experience was like watching it. And if a movie makes me feel so intensely, as this movie did, it makes me think in this kind of way... And I know it's artfully crafted. All the categories we always say, cast, director, cinematography, etc. It's To me, it's a no-brainer. I have to give it five stars, but that's because I'm a sucker for a movie giving me an experience and putting mm -hmm. me through something. And it is very effective and affecting the audience. I think no matter what, can't imagine someone going away from this being like fully ambivalent. They at least had a few experiences, whether it was like grotesque or anger or whatever. Well done on that. A movie like that, and this is just my own bias, 
I'm going to love it every time. Thank you so much for making this movie. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I feel exactly the same like you. Like, the the amount of emotions I felt watching this movie, whether it was, hmm. you know, laughter, uh, uneasiness, uh, you know, reevaluating society, like, all this kind of stuff. Like, it... it the fact that we're having this type of conversation after the movie, and like I said, after my screening, tons of people groups were outside discussing the movie. Of course, this there is one of those. Going to the diner afterward. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like like I could only imagine if we saw this movie together, we would definitely be going somewhere, <laughs> grabbing food, and sitting down talking for like maybe several hours about this movie because it is a conversational right. movie, you know. And I think that in itself speaks to the brilliance of this movie. And I, I do highly recommend it to a lot of you out there. This is definitely one of those movies you have to experience and watch um, because it, it may ring, you know, some stuff within a lot of you. Um, and if anything, it's a great look at, albeit a satirical look at society today, especially with what society deems as important and not important and, you know, kind of how we fend for ourselves in this world that we live in right now. Right. So um, again, curious to hear all your thoughts. Let us know in Please. the comments. If you've seen this movie, let us know what you thought about it. Let us know if you agree, disagree with any of the points that we made. If you haven't planned on watching this movie, have we changed your mind? Maybe hopefully that we didn't ruin too much for of the movie for you so that you could still watch it in a refreshing state because I really do think it is important to go into this movie blindly, as blindly as possible. But also, there's a lot we left out and a lot, like, oh, experiencing sure. these things yeah, firsthand yeah, yeah. is very different than hearing people talk about them. Yeah. I imagine a visceral experience from everyone in the audience, good or bad. So, yeah. definitely, if you haven't, check check this one out. Let us know what you think. I'm fascinated yeah. to hear people's reactions to this movie. Absolutely. And, and let us know, if you do end up watching it, what were your theater experiences like? Because I would love to hear yeah. all the different types of reactions. Because this is a movie that will garner tons of different reactions out there so definitely let us know but that concludes our episode of movie time this week always a pleasure speaking with you blake about movies and the love of movies and all that before we close things out where could people find you online i'm on the website of letterboxd.com my screen name is blake wolf ssn where you can see me give amsterdam a cautious four stars and triangle of sadness a full-hearted five stars and also love... look up my my list uh, depressed pixie dream girls. Yes. Still we're still working on it. Maybe it maybe a new title soon. We'll we'll flesh that out. Yeah. I I I definitely want to help you a little bit with that myself cuz that that that's a fun <laughs> list there. Uh and I love the cautionary rating too. Yeah, that I think that yeah. that's a pretty accurate. That's pretty A week accurate. from now I'll probably drop it to 3.5. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but as for myself, Loki Geek, you could find me through all the handles that you see on the screen. Twitter, Instagram, of course, here on Facebook. Again, if you're brand new to this channel, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you can get notified for all future episodes that are uploaded. If you are looking for an audio version of this, you can find it on the Loki Geek channel on your podcast platform of choice. Just do the search for Loki Geek and you'll find this episode and many others that you could download if you have already been listening in audio formats. Thank you so much for listening. And again, thank you so much for watching. So... That being said, I'm Renee. This is Blake. This has been Movie Time. Stay cool, stay classy, stay safe, and we'll catch you all next week. All right. So.